0: Welcome lovelies to the ultimate dance business podcast. My name is Deborah Laws, the dance business expert. My passion is to help you turn your passion into profit while guiding you to work less and earn more. I'm super excited to share interviews with you that I know will inspire and motivate you in your schools as well as my solo shows, where I shall be sharing some great tips and strategies. So if you love the show, please do remember to review, subscribe and share it with your fellow dance boss friends. So let's get stuck into the business of dance. Mr. James, thank you so much for agreeing to give me your time today. For those people that don't realise as well as being a business coach for other people, I also have a business coach myself. And I think this is one of the really important things that everybody, whatever level they are, has some kind of mentor that helps them navigate through business. And wonderful Mr. Nick James is my business coach. I'd like to say exclusively, but of course, it's not exclusive at all. I'm one of many, many people that he helps entrepreneurs in the world. Nick, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thanks for having me on. Pleasure to be here, Deb
0: what um what i think everybody would love to know is what kind of because you don't just run a coaching business helping business owners you also run a massive events company and what did that come before the coaching or did the coaching come before the events company
1: um so um it was kind of an evolution really so um the first kind of business venture was actually um uh, essentially a small um, boutique marketing agency, you'd probably call it. Um, so I would write sales letters and email campaigns and create marketing materials for clients. Then it became clear that I could provide them with the marketing materials, but they needed a bit of mentorship around how to drive traffic and how to sell and all of those things. So started doing some mentorship um, and once I got too busy doing that, I started running events.
0: Mm. And your event is Expert Empires, which probably in my industry, not too many people have come across just yet. Although I'm trying to help with that. <laughs> I do tell I'm everybody sure all that. about it. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um you have some incredible, incredible guest speakers. Um, and in fact, everybody that's listening that knows about my dance business conference, you have Mr. James to thank for that because it was through attending Expert Empires, actually only last year, um, that it inspired me to create the dance business conference in the UK, which is you know now hopefully going to be a big part of the calendar for everyone in the dance industry for years to come. But it came from actually attending Nick's um. Expert Empires event. And so you attract guest speakers, which is the same format that I've I've followed. Um, Some amazing people. Tell us about some of the people that you've had speaking at your events. Um,
1: Yeah, I mean, we've been very, um, very fortunate, very blessed to invite some amazing speakers. I don't know how many of them you or your audience will have heard of. um, But uh, at the last event, we had an amazing lady called Marie Forleo, uh, who came over from the U.S., um, you know, she's international best-selling author. Um, her book that she's best known for was called Everything is Outable great book. Um, so Marie came for the last one. We've had um, people like Lisa Nichols, you know, who was in The Secret, if you remember The Secret movie, um, as well as people like Gary Vaynerchuk and Grant Cardone. Um, we had Lord Sugar once. Um, who's probably the best known kind of mainstream celebrity speaker we've had um who you know divides opinion let's say uh, and uh, and more recently um stephen Bartlett off dragon's den so um loads of others too many to mention but those are just a few
0: yeah yeah and i think um one of the things because i've learned a lot about you having been to all the expert empire Empires events since last year. Um, and so I've kind of heard lots about your story, your background. Um, and one of the things that kind of just terr- utterly terrified me, especially, you know, with me going into the event space myself now, was some of the financial bravery that you had to have in the beginning. Like that when you talk about the way that you managed to fund some of the speakers at your first ever event, you know, that takes, I mean, how do you sum up the difference between being brave and taking a risk?
1: Well, look, I mean, I think anyone in business has taken a risk. Like it doesn't, sometimes you don't feel like you have, especially when you compare it with other people. Um, you know, so maybe you're watching this, listening to this, and you go, well, I'm not taking risks. Look at Deb. The dance business conference and Deb, you're going. Well, I'm not really taking risks, look at what Nick's done with Expert Empires, but I'm doing the same. I'm going, Well, I don't really take risks, look at this person, um, who's you know playing an even bigger game. So, I think when you think about risk, first of all, know that starting a business in the first place is a massive risk, um, because most businesses ultimately fail and so you know most people don't take the risk most people play safe their entire lives so you know if you've braved it and started a business then you know you have my utmost respect um i think early on um some of the risks if you want to call it that that i took um they didn't feel like massive risks to me but they maybe looked like it to us so Mm -hmm. um, let me explain I ran my first ever event in 2009. Expert Empires started in 2017. So I had eight years of running smaller workshops from, we had eight people at our first one, which wasn't really a massive risk because you go, the expenses for an event of eight people weren't massive. Um, So I wasn't that financially exposed. And then you know we gradually grew the numbers to 20 30 50 100 um, you know I started running much bigger events in kind of 2014 2015 and then when I started expert empires in 2017 I'd already got I'd already got experience so I already knew how the business worked I knew how the finances of an event of that size worked so even though it might have looked like a big risk from the outside because I'd got experience and historical data, to support my decision making meant that, even though there's always risk, of course, I don't think I felt there was as much risk as maybe that other people would have perceived I took.
0: I'm with you. Yeah. So you'd already got the audience, you'd got a database, you knew you were going to sell a certain amount of tickets. So it's all relative, I suppose, to the to where we are in business. Um, yeah,
1: what I did, and I'd advise anyone to do this if you're weighing up you know, projects, decisions, um, investments, things like that, is I, I just do, and I still do it to this day, whenever I take on a new project, I just look at best case scenario and worst case scenario. And I um, wanna I want, I want to look at both because when I do best case scenario, that, that gets me all excited. And um, I think you know when you go into a new project, you should go into the feeling of excitement. But then I also have to look at worst case scenario and I have to make it okay. So on that first ever Expert Empires event, which you know the, the expense of running that event was somewhere around two hundred thousand pounds, which I did not have at the time. Hence, why it looked like a big risk. I did my best case scenario and worst case scenario. My worst case scenario for that event, which was I think you know based on us selling I think four or five hundred tickets and only getting you know a few small sponsors. Um, and, you know, getting modest sales uh, results at the event itself, like the worst case scenario is still going to make a small profit. And so I, I kind of justified it and went, well, even if the worst happens and I only make a small profit, it might not really be worth it for the amount of time and energy and resource and risk that I've taken to get this small amount of profit. But I believed, um, and I think this panned out to be true, I believed that the um, increased awareness of me and my business and my brand would be way more valuable down the line. And that did turn out to be the case. Um, so, you know, as soon as we run that first event, like, it kind of put me and put us on the map and then attracting other speakers in the future became a lot easier. Now the good news is we did far better than our worst case scenario and turned quite a healthy profit from that first event. Um, So even though it might've looked like a risk from the outside, it wasn't that risky. And I always weigh up best case scenario, worst case scenario before I make any decision that might be perceived to be a risk. Same with investments. I was literally just, about an hour ago having a conversation with a client of mine who's considering an investment. And I just said to him, look, I mean, you know, I've invested X amount of money in this. Um, and look, it's performing really well. It's a great, I'm getting a great return on the investment, but it was probably a relatively high risk investment. But my worst case scenario is I lose it all. And I was okay with that worst case scenario. Cause I go, I haven't invested, so much in it that it would destroy me if it went to zero. So I think with anything like that, whether it's a new project in your business, whether it's starting a new business, whether it's making an investment, you have to weigh up best case scenario, worst case scenario and make your peace with the worst case scenario before you go ahead. Cause then you can make the decision and go ahead completely all in free of any limited or unresourceful thinking. You can just go all in and and focus on the best case scenario and get excited about that.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I love that strategy of kind of knowing, going in confidently, knowing that whatever happens, you're still okay with it. Yeah. Like none of us want sleepless nights, do we? <laughs> no, exactly.
1: look, so, I, didn't, I didn't want the worst case scenario to happen, but if it had, it wouldn't have been a complete disaster.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. In Really interesting. And, of course, one of the things, you know, well, the thing that you are – well known for now is being the person to go to in terms of strategy like you are a business strategist would you say that that is your biggest strength because obviously you've done a lot of different things a lot of different trainings over the years you've taught so many different elements of business but do you think it's the strategy that that you really like that really excites you that you think you're good at teaching others
1: yeah i think it's probably the thing i'm best at teaching others mainly because not many people teach that bit so uh, a lot of times, Deb, you know, this um, people teach like really specific tactics for starting a podcast, using Facebook ads in your local area to get more people into your dance school, whatever it might be. And all of those things are useful. And without a wider strategy um, to support those tactics, um, you know, the results you get are pretty hit and miss. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think the biggest, um, issue I hear from most business owners, most entrepreneurs is that running their business is basically chaos Mm -hmm. and they're confused and overwhelmed. And if they've got staff or employees, they're even more confused and overwhelmed than the business owner. And so I guess the bit that I think I'm quite good at is teaching people how to create structure in their business and part of that is having a strategy for the next three months, six months, 12 months. Um, so what I excel at is creating that structure so that they can have more clarity and more certainty and more confidence. And of course, that then filters down to the team, um, the employees, the staff um, that you that you lead and that, yeah. you, that you employ in your business.
0: Yeah. And I think, that, I mean, I'd 100% back you up on that in terms of, you know, when I, I go through a little exercise when I onboard new clients, and we identify their strengths and weakness and what the strategic plan needs to be going forward. And it's, Nine times out of 10, the bit that's missing, the bit that's not happening is the planning, the structure and the strategy. Like they're great at doing all the things, but are kind of running around doing all the things with no real idea. And I don't know whether I've got this from you or your business partner, the wonderful Matt Elwell, who I've also been working with this year. Um, But one of you (laughs) uses the analogy of putting the sat nav in the car. Is that you or is that Matt?
1: That's probably more likely Matt, but go with it.
0: Okay. (laughs) I'll tell you, you can pinch it. (laughs) He talks about, you know, you don't get in the car deciding to head to London and just drive willy nilly hoping you're going to get there. Like you have a postcode and you put it in the sat nav. And then you know that if you follow that postcode, you're going to get to where you want to get to. And in business, I feel like most people are in their car just driving around. Like they don't actually have that plan and that map to get to where they want to get to. And that's really what strategy is all about, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I'd agree. And I think um, because most business owners are so busy, um, it's hard for them to justify the time to spend on planning the journey, I suppose, to continue that metaphor. And the way that I see that is, um, the way that I explain it is, it's a bit like sharpening the axe. Like if you need to chop down a tree, how much time are you going to spend actually trying to chop the tree down and how much time are you going to spend sharpening the ax in the first place. And so doing the planning in your business is like sharpening the ax for five minutes before you go into doing the work. in this case, trying to chop down the tree. And the idea of course, and I think this is true in this metaphor and in reality in your business is if you spend five minutes sharpening the ax, it might take you 15 minutes to chop the tree down. That's 20 minutes total. If you don't spend the five minutes sharpening the ax in the first place, it might take you 40 or 45 minutes to chop the tree down, or you might not be able to do it at all if the ax is really blunt. So I think it's really important that we spend that five minutes to sharpen the ax or we spend that day every quarter in our business or a couple of days every year in our business, sharpening the ax, doing the strategic planning so that we're more efficient, more effective, day to day.
0: Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, you might have just actually answered the next question, which is, you know, what do you think is the number one reason why some people aren't successful in business? Um, yeah, I haven't answered that question. The
1: number <laughs> one reason most people aren't successful in business is because of their lack of ability to manage their mental and emotional state. Ultimately, you cannot, the best laid plan, the best strategy I could possibly create or give you will not help you if you're not able to maintain resourcefulness, great, you know, thoughts, and um, I guess, you know, manage your emotions. Because, like, there are going to be things with the best strategy, the best laid plans in the world, there are going to be things that derail you, that blindside you, that you weren't expecting. And when that happens, how resourceful or how able are you to manage your mental and emotional state? And unfortunately, and I understand the reason, because no one ever teaches you how to do this. Now, I was really lucky in that I learned how to do this from a very young age. When I was 12 years of age, my mum was studying a lot of personal development and took me to a uh, Tony Robbins seminar in Hawaii. And I spent most of my teenage years traveling all over the world, studying personal development, self-improvement, um, NLP, essentially tools and techniques and strategies for managing your mental uh, mental and emotional state. And so uh, for me, that's the number one reason though. And when you as the business owner go into fear or you know, get, I call it get got, like your your patterns of behaviour show up, whether that's anger, frustration, um, whether it's, you know, any other unresourceful feeling that you might experience. When you go there, you're in massive trouble. Um, firstly, because you're not able to make good decisions from that state or that place. And secondly, because especially if you're leading other people, If they turn to the person who's leading and that person has lost their mind, they've got no certainty. And that's what people in your business, your team members, your employees need. They need certainty. um, And that will come from your ability to manage your mental and emotional state. So for me, that's the number one thing why most people don't succeed. Everything else, everything else is secondary.
0: Yeah, and everything else can be learned, and everything else you can improve on and you can gain the knowledge on. So that's, you know, that I mean, they, they do say, don't they? Business is 80% mindset, 20% knowledge. I think it's even higher than that. <laughs> yeah, 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 I agree. And the, the good news is, though, you know, you're saying everything else can be learned. This can be
1: learned as well. Mm. The problem is we seem to, and I think I understand why, we seem to place more value and more importance on learning how do I do Facebook ads? Or learning, you know, how do I close sales? Or how do I get, you know, how do I increase retention in my school? Or how do I get more people to turn up for taster sessions? And we get obsessed by these things, which are all important. I'm not dismissing those, but we spend so much time learning those. We don't spend the time learning the one thing that actually makes all of the things I just mentioned work better, which is, how do you how do you show up? How do you manage your, your mental and emotional state? How do you manage your energy day in, day out, even when, you know, inevitably
0: um, problems, issues, challenges turn up in your business? Mm. And so this is probably a really impossible question to ask, but how does somebody manage their mental and emotional state?
1: Yeah, great question. Well, th- there are three things. Um, and by the way, I learned this at 12 years of age. This wow. is a long time ago. Um, so 27 years ago now. Um, I'm 40 next month. 27 years ago, I learned this for the first time. There are three things that will Im- that will impact how you think and feel at any moment. Um, the first one is your physiology, in other words, how you're using your physical body. Like it's almost impossible to be in an unresourceful mental or emotional state when you're using your physical body in the right way. So when you're breathing a certain way, when you're sitting or standing a certain way, um, it's almost impossible to be in an unresourceful state. In fact, I would argue that most of the time when we're in an unresourceful state, it happens, it occurs because we physically tend to do certain things with our breathing, with our posture. There's loads of others. Um, even you know, hydration, nutrition, how much sleep you've had—all of these things are going to impact your ability to think clearly or to be in a good um, emotional state. Look, we we've all, m- me included, um, we've all treated our bodies badly, where maybe we're sleep deprived um, or we're dehydrated, maybe we've been eating or drinking things that we shouldn't have, and what happens? Like mentally and emotionally you're not in a good place, right? Yeah. Um, So all of these things, your physiology, first and foremost, that's the one thing that's um, probably the easiest go-to place to influence your mental and emotional state. The second thing is the language you use. So the things you say, the words that come out of your mouth, but also the second part of that is the words, the things you say to yourself in your head. And often the things we say to ourselves in our head, We would never say to another human being. We would never say those things that we say to ourselves about ourselves to our kids or our best friend or somebody we really care about. We'd never say those things. So the language we use both out of our mouths and what we say to ourselves in our heads makes a big impact. And then the third thing is just what you choose to focus on. Because at any given time, there are literally millions of things that you could choose to focus on but generally speaking when we're in an unresourceful mental or emotional state we're focusing on the things that are going to cause us to feel in a bad way so there are like i said right now as you're watching this video on youtube or listening to this podcast there are millions of bits of information that you're taking in through your various different um senses but until i mentioned it you weren't thinking about how your shoe feels on your right foot. And now you're acutely aware of how your shoe feels on your right foot um, and you might not be wearing shoes. So you might feel this sense of freedom on your right foot and you've not really appreciated that feeling or how your sock feels or how the ground feels underneath your foot if you're not wearing shoes or socks or any of these things. That information was there, but you weren't focusing on it. Until I mentioned it. And the same thing is true when it comes to your mental and emotional state. At any given time, and look, I I am, this does not mean that I am not sympathetic to some people's current situations. I'm sure at any given time, we all have things in our lives, in our businesses that are not ideal, things that we would like to change, problems, issues, challenges that are unfortunate. I get that. But equally, we all, I'm saying 99.999% of the population have things, that if we choose to focus on them, will cause us to feel differently. Things that we could choose to be grateful for or things that we could choose to be excited about. But when we're in a negative mental or emotional state, we're generally focusing on the things that aren't going well versus the things that are going well. And they all exist, just like the feeling of your shoe being on your right foot exists. Or the feeling of you know not having a shoe on your right foot currently exists um that being true as is there are plenty of things that you could choose to focus on that would cause your mental and emotional state to change so there's three things one physiology how you use your physical body two the language you use both in your mind and out your mouth and then thirdly just what you choose to focus on at any given time and all three of those work in combination so you change your physiology, it probably will have an impact on your language and your focus. If you change your focus, then it will probably impact the other two. If you change your language, it will impact the other two. But when you can use all three together, then it gives you ultimate, the ultimate ability to choose how you feel at any given time.
0: So I thought I would just share with you guys today the... Um, Planners that I have produced for dance school owners because these are flying out of Amazon like. Hot cakes, And if you don't have yours yet, then all you have to do is pop to Amazon and type into the search Deborah Laws and all three books will come up. So the Ultimate Dance Business Planner I designed for you so that you had a little bit of a Deborah on your desktop. <laughs> the planners are full of business training, tips, motivational quotes, Uh, things to do at the start of the month things to do at the end of the month ways in which you can plan out your marketing and your retention and they are selling all over the world so go to amazon grab your number one best-selling ultimate dance business planner and enjoy mapping out the growth for your studio what an amazing answer. And I love actually the third one. In, well, I loved all of the answers, but in the third one in particular, just made me think of something yesterday that I had a wonderful client that has been doing really well, growing her school month in, month out. And then this month, she she had a couple more leave than she had the month before. She had some new ones start, but a few more left than previously. So she didn't have quite the same results. So of course, now all the emphasis is on, I've had this dreadful month. I haven't got as many kids that have stayed a couple more have left than I've ever left before. And so this real downward spiral in terms of positivity and actually she's still grown the business. Like the, the school had still grown, but you she the retention had just gone down slightly. But when I kind of pointed out, look you've still growing your business, you're still going forward, you've still got momentum, but still we were focusing on the wrong thing. Yeah. So that's a good example, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And I
1: think most of us in business, um, we tend to forget how far we've come. Yeah. So like that client of yours who's you know got their dance school to a certain point, my guess is a year, two years, three years ago, whatever it was, like, what she's built now was like beyond her wildest dreams but she's forgotten that and sometimes it's helpful for us to look back and really appreciate and see how far we've come so um so we can tap into that's a that's a strategy for changing your focus so we can um tap into the state called gratitude appreciation you know celebration whatever it might be
0: yeah. And I love that actually, because when I come up to you in Birmingham and we have our mastermind days, one of the first things you get us all to do is sit for five minutes and write down all the great stuff that's happened since we last met. And it does really make you look. And you, and sometimes people, I do this with people and they kind of write one or two things and I say, well, what what else has happened? Oh, that's about it. Well, what, what else might have happened? And actually when they keep digging, there's loads and loads of things. And I end up with a big list and I kind of go, oh, now you only want me to pick one thing Nick, like I want to share loads of stuff. And you don't realize that there's loads of stuff, do you? Unless you take that time to really kind of look at it and evaluate.
1: Yeah. And the reason I do that at the start of every mastermind meeting is because I want to direct your focus in a certain place. So you're in a more resourceful state so that you can contribute and get the most value from that meeting
0: yeah yeah which is lovely i I mean i love doing it because in all honesty i probably don't do it any other time which isn't good i should be should be doing it all the time
1: we don't most people don't how often do we take how often do most people take time to really analyze and and take stock of what's working what's great in their business in their life what they're most grateful for most people never take the time to do that
0: yeah, no, I know. And and I do think we should all do that a little bit more. I'd love to know um, if a business came to you that, let's face it, is a little bit broken, like they're in a bit of a mess. What would you look at first in order to help them at least take those first baby steps to getting out of the mess that they're in?
1: Um, well, I refer to my previous answer, the state of the person running the business. Would yeah. be Second thing um, would be the vision for the future, because the, the um, and this is a quote from my coach, um, the bigger and clearer the vision of tomorrow, the greater our ability to sustain the challenges of today. So if the business is a bit broken and, you know, the owner is, you know, feeling um, not so good about the current position the bigger and clearer the vision of the future of tomorrow, the greater their ability to solve the problems of today, really, I guess is what we're saying. So I'd look at the vision. I guarantee there isn't one. I guarantee it. Um, So we would look at setting that vision so we can then. Because what most most people do when things aren't going so well is they get desperate and they look at what can I do today to solve today's problem. And what I would suggest is you go, well, let's look at the vision for the future first, get clear on that, get excited about that, then look at what strategies should we be focusing on this quarter, this year in order to move us towards it. And then we look at, still do, look at, right, what are the quick wins, what are the the tasks, the activities, the things that need to be done here and now? Um, but what everyone does is they go to the here and now first without the context of the vision and the strategies. And then the here and now sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. But either way, the success it brings is only short lived. And then a day or a week or a month later, we're back in the same position, needing to scratch around to solve a problem again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's that. I, I love this. It's that start with a vision and then deconstruct and work backwards. Right. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah.
0: What? um I have a question now. What would you tell your 20-year-old your self that you need to know about business if you could go back and tell yourself that now?
1: Um, what would I tell my 20-year-old self about business? Okay, so business specifically. Because what I would tell my 20-year-old self, I know this wasn't your question, Deb, but I'll answer it anyway. <laughs> um, what would I would tell my 20-year-old self um, is... um. First of all, um, at 20 years of age, I was at university. um, I was partying way too hard um, and not really taking anything in my life very seriously. So I'd give myself a good talking to about that. Um, But equally, you know, I think at 20, it's okay to enjoy yourself and not take life too seriously. Maybe not to the degree that I did, but still. <laughs> um, but I think the, the big business lesson, what I what I didn't do when I started to get some success kind of in my mid-20s, um, what I didn't do is I didn't really focus on and reinvest in growth. I was very... Um, this it, has been my greatest weakness throughout my career. Um, I, I do think and operate from a very short-term focus. So like, I think that like a, a long time is three months. Like That's a long time in my world. Um, and I've always been like that, and, and that shows up in many different ways. So when I started to get some financial success, I was very much um, looking for instant gratification, So spending money on the nice things when actually if I'd have been a bit more sensible and reinvested in growth, by the way, when I say a bit more sensible, that doesn't mean not taking risks. I could have afforded to take bigger risks, which would have bought bigger rewards sooner if I'd not been looking for that instant gratification. So um, I think what I didn't do in my early to mid twenties was I didn't, I wasn't playing the long game. I was playing the, I want the success and the and the rewards that come with it here and now um and actually as i've got older um i've realized that actually um life is actually quite long i know cliche life short and i agree with that to an extent but equally i go like there's no you don't need to have everything today um and i think we could have i could have built a much bigger more impactful more meaningful business quicker if i'd not had that kind of short-term thinking and that instant that need for instant gratification so yeah, yeah I'd, I'd I'd basically tell myself to stop being such an idiot with money and wasting it all and and have more of a investment in the future mindset rather than a and by the way i'm not saying i'm not saying you know put your money into long-term investments that wasn't what i would advise myself to do I'd advise myself to play the long game in your business and reinvest in future growth now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I understand what you're saying. And so, with the same kind of question, how would, what would you tell yourself five years ago that you now know?
1: Oh, good question. Um, Five years ago, so what, 2017, um, yeah, I, I think probably then, Um, I still couldn't quite comprehend where I was going to be now. So like, even then I was still probably thinking quite short term and I was, I was, I was taking risks, um, which again, it's my kind of in my nature to do that. But I definitely was not that confident that it was all going to work out like as in, I would love to be able to show myself five years ago, here's what happens in 2022. I'd love to have been able to show myself that because I I think if you'd have shown me that in 2017, I'd have been, well, I, I'd have been very, very happy, first and foremost, um, and it would have just took loads of pressure and a load of fear away.
0: But of course, if we knew what the future held we'd take our foot off the pedal, wouldn't we? And then those things wouldn't happen. Right. So it's just as well, we don't know. But, you know, talking about future then, where do you, where would you love to see yourself in five years time that maybe you can't comprehend, <laughs> going by your own quote, that you can't comprehend yeah. right now?
1: Yeah, well, the fact is the thing that the thinking that got me to here is not the thinking that's going to get me where I want to be in five years I know that so there'll be a different mindset there'll be a different set of there'll be strategies and tactics that we'll implement in our business that I don't even know about right now um it's funny because we always think that like at any time we think that the problem we are in at the time is permanent or we think that the thing that works right now is permanent like I remember being at a being at a conference, like, when would it have been? Probably 10 years ago. And I remember the guy on stage, amazing, um, very smart guy called Dan Kennedy. Um, he was explaining how one day there will be a time where, like, Facebook doesn't exist and I was, and everyone in the audience was like this, because he's quite, you know, he was, um, he is, you know, let's say old, certainly a lot older than me. And everyone was like, oh, you know, he's just being, a, oh, you know, he's he's like a dinosaur, right? Um, but actually as time's progressed, I've seen how right he is. Because at the time it was inconceivable that Facebook wouldn't exist one day. And by the way, some people might think right now it's inconceivable. I'm telling you, he's right. There'll be a time when Facebook doesn't exist. Why do you think they've now created this brand called Meta where all these other companies sit beneath it because they know that one social media platform will not last forever. And so there'll need to be another one that picks up the kids. In fact, I'm, guess- I'm guessing a lot of the, uh, the students that come through your, uh, your dance school, if you're listening and uh, and watching this are probably not on Facebook. So, well, that means there'll be a time where it doesn't exist yeah. um so I guess where I'm going with this I haven't forgotten the question but <laughs> like where do I see myself in five years like you you can't comprehend really what the future holds because whatever's happening here and now feels like it's permanent but I'm telling yeah. you it isn't um in the same way that Facebook is not permanent um, and, uh, you know, the problem you're experiencing right now in your business is not permanent. Um, the business model that you're that I'm using right now is not permanent. It feels like it. It feels like it will never change. It will. Um, because 10 years ago, it felt like it was never going to change. And guess what? It did. Um, one thing I do know, Deb, um, is I, I don't see a time in the future where events like Expert Empires won't exist in my business. And I don't really see a time where our core programs like Mastermind won't exist either. But what I do know from, you know, experience is that how we do those things probably will change over <laughs> yeah. time. Um, so when you ask me, you know, whether I see myself or what would I like to do in five years, I've got a high level overview of, you know, I know where I want Expert Empires and our group of companies to go. I know some of the things that I would like to do and um, create personally. Um, but I don't have, like, exact specificity because whatever I say now will be wrong anyway because who knows what the future holds.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the big thing out of that message is just being able to adapt and change, isn't it? And, you know, so many, and that goes back to the ability to, you know, to manage your mental and health and emotional state because the people that get scared about change and haven't got that growth mindset of evolving and changing with the times are the people that get left behind, aren't they?
1: Yeah, of course. And, and something you just said there sparked a thought in my mind, which is that the, the The mistake we make, and I probably didn't do a good job of explaining this earlier, is that when you ask me, you know, how does one go about um, managing effectively their mental and emotional state, the answers I gave you were all things that you can control. But what most people do is when it comes to how they think and how they feel at any time, they blame things that they can't control. So, like, I'm feeling angry right now because of something you just said. The problem with that statement is you can't control what somebody else says. So you're constantly going to be essentially on, you know, you you are not responsible and not in control of how you think and feel at any point if you operate from that belief. Whereas if you operate from the belief of, look, I can control and influence how I think and feel at any time, and here's the three ways I do it, through physiology, through language, through what I focus on, then I'm I'm good. Like, it gives you the power back. Mm. Um, so I don't think I really made that, that point clear earlier, but I think it's a worthwhile point to make.
0: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Um, I have got a few fun little questions to kind of start to wrap this up. I don't think that they're going to be like, Really quick answers because some of them actually might need a bit more explanation. But are you good if that I just ni- is, that,
1: is that your nice way of saying, Nick, you're incapable of a short answer? Is no,
0: Of course it's not. <laughs> I know I say this because I say this to people and I don't think anyone gives me quick answers. So I know it's probably not gonna happen. Going, going on past interviews. Um okay, you're ready. Are we good to go? Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Favorite business book. Um Built to sell by John Warlow. Fantastic. We'll go and add that to the Amazon cart. Um favorite podcast.
1: Oh, tough. Currently, um Stephen Bartlett, what's his podcast called? Die over CEO. That's my current favorite.
0: Okay. Um, favorite holiday destination?
1: Uh, Dubai. Easy. What specific, is your specifically? Actually, you know what? Like, I've got a lot of great holiday destinations that I love. But specifically, the Atlantis Resort of Dubai, mainly because it's my kids' favorite destination, they absolutely love it. My son, who's nine, um, my youngest son, I've got a son who's 13 as well. My youngest son who's nine, he's constantly at me to take him there for his birthday. So it's his birthday in February, and he's like, Can we go to the Atlantis for my birthday? I'm like, mate, you're nine. You're about to be 10. <laughs> like most kids just ask for like a new football kit or something. <laughs> he wants to go to the Atlantis in Dubai for his birthday. But yeah, we love it there. It's great.
0: Fab, fab. Um, you are really famous for coming out with some great one-liners. So what is your favourite, not necessarily motivational line, but your favourite business saying?
1: Um, you know what? I'm going to do my best and... Um, Forgive me. It's it's on the wall in my office and it's a Tony Robbins quote. So I'm just going to read it off the wall. Okay. Um, most people overestimate what they can achieve in a year and underestimate what they can achieve in two or three decades.
0: Mm. I thought you were going to say on the end there in a lifetime, but two or three decades is. Yeah, is great. Love that, love that. And I haven't heard you say that one. So that's a new one today. It's been
1: on the wall in my office for years because it's a reminder to me because I'm certainly guilty of this like because I'm naturally a short-term thinker. Um, I would always, you know, make massive goals and plans for like a year, but I wouldn't make plans for 10 years. And actually um, what's panned out and what's been true for me is that um, I've been able to create bigger and better things than i ever imagined over a long period of time but invariably you know i always historically and probably still am guilty of of setting massive short-term goals that might be out of reach
0: yeah yeah okay next one um what is the one thing that you need to do to keep the family happy oh
1: what's the one thing i need to do to keep the family happy um think it's certainly football related <laughs> um, I'm a bit of a football fan if you're watching on YouTube you can see I've got the the shirt collection on the wall in the office behind me um, so it's well it's a number of things but all set in the same banner so um, going to my boys football matches uh, like I said they're 9 and 13 going to their matches regularly and don't want to leave my wife out um, taking them um we actually, this year, for the first time since I was a kid, bought season tickets to go to Aston Villa, which is our team. Um, and uh, we, we've got like the whole kind of corporate hospitality thing. And it's like, you know, um, amazing experience. And that's like our favourite thing to do together as a family. And so there's a lot more that I need to do to keep the family happy. But doing those things, I think, you know, kind of they're the things that we do together as a family regularly that we love awesome awesome and what oh, about and, and, and by the way and my wife
0: genuinely loves football too
1: well, well but I was going to say and in addition to that shoes and handbags
0: okay yeah okay so that's got to go with the football just hand in hand <laughs> and what about to keep Nick happy
1: to keep me happy um there's there's probably two things um one is um, just looking after my health and fitness and training, um, you know, regularly five, six, more recently, it's been like six, seven times a week. Um, so physically training my body um, keeps me happy for sure. And the second thing is just having downtime because because I'm on the go so much, um, you know, and I think this is probably the case for most people that run a business, I'm sure, um, dance schools are no different um but I'm on the go all the time and so just having time to do nothing um is really important so my version of that is like sitting on the sofa um on a sunday afternoon and watching the football and that's it like that that is like my my happy place and that's like I can forget about any problems or challenges that are going on in the business or people that need my attention I can just zone out and that's that's what I love to do
0: yeah And what about um, the quality that you most dislike in people?
1: The quality that I most dislike in people (laughs) is probably like so many going around in my head. (laughs) Um, I
0: can have one. Arrogance.
1: Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think arrogance is probably the one that I dislike most, and and the reason is because the quality that I find most endearing is humility.
0: Which answers the next question. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> there Sorry, Sorry
1: about that.
0: <laughs> fine. Well, I only have one left then. In that case, I think this is probably a nice one to wrap up on. Um, lying on your deathbed, looking back over your life, what is the legacy that you've left behind?
1: Um I think creating well, our purpose for our businesses, we develop people. Um and I've been passionate about personal development since I was 12 years of age. And I think there's so many different ways that I like to bring that to the world, whether that's opportunities for people to join our team and be part of our company day in, day out, and develop their their themselves and you know grow into their careers. Um, whether it's business owners that come to our events or um, clients like yourself, Deb, that work with us closely and and benefit from the coaching and the mentorship we offer. Um, Yeah, for me, the the legacy is that there are people that um, that we're educating, training, inspiring right now who are creating businesses that are making an impact in loads of different areas. So, like, I don't know the first thing about dance, trust me, but because of the training and the support and the coaching that we've given you, Deb, you're now making a difference to a load of dance schools and those dance schools, this is where I get really kind of excited about it, about what we do, those dance schools I know are making a big difference in the lives of people all over the country. Yeah. Um, you know, like dance gives people um, kids. Uh, most of the schools uh, work with with kids,
0: Yeah. Well, majorities. There's some that are just
1: adults. Yeah, yeah. But So adults and kids, but thinking about kids in particular, I'm like, you know, if they're being bullied at school, if they're struggling academically, if there's all these problems and issues that are going on, gives them an escape. And I'm like, so indirectly, somehow, I'm like many degrees of separation, like I'm contributing to that, which is cool. And I love that thought, the thought that the work that I do with you, Deb, has a ripple effect that's far greater than I could ever really measure or comprehend.
0: Yeah. And of course, everybody that works with you are from all walks of life, all different businesses, and therefore you're impacting, so many lives in so many different ways. Like you said, that's incomprehensible, really, isn't it? What an amazing legacy. What an amazing legacy to be able to look back on. And thank you for everything that you've done for me in this past year and everything you're doing for everybody else. And, of course, you know, if people want to come and experience Expert Empires, you've got a great lineup in March, haven't you?
1: We have. We've got um, the amazing Joe Wicks, who, if you're anything like me, was probably an ever-present on your TV screens during lockdown down um teaching you and your family yoga and keeping you fit um and also uh denise defield thomas um amazing lady from australia she's coming over especially for expert empires to talk all about money mindset um so very excited about the next expert empires event in march
0: yeah. And of course, those of you that are listeners and have listened to many of the episodes that we've done so far, we actually had Denise on a podcast. So um, I'm very much looking forward to coming and seeing her in person on the stage because yeah, big fan, big fan of Denise. Nick, thank you so much for for your time, for being so generous with your time, for everything that you've done for me and that you do for everybody else. Um, if people want to come and follow you, please check out the show notes so that they can come and join your expert empires or find out about all the wonderful work you do in the entrepreneur world thank you so much thanks deb it's been a pleasure so that's it for today thank you for listening to the ultimate dance business podcast of course you can come and find me in facebook instagram linkedin and on youtube but the real magic happens within my membership sparks ignite or illuminate there's one for each one of you depending on your level of investment time and motivation so check out the website dancebusinesslab.com click on work with me and let's see if we can really start to make a difference Are you looking to get precious time back in your life so you can make more time doing the things you love? Dance Biz is a class management and booking software from the lovely folk at Think Smart that will automate and streamline all your dance school admin. It's the perfect tool for all those tasks that just seem to take so long and will help you to work smarter, not harder. Message me today, folks, and I can give you a code so you can get two months free.